0: with you for that carols event. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. Mr. Rex was modeling. Stand up, please, Mr. Rex. Did everyone see our model this morning? Modeling our shirt. There he is, the volunteer shirt. Looks good. We are want we are our welcomers to wear the volunteer shirt because if you're new to church and you've never been to this building before and you go, um, where do I go? Who do I speak to? I reckon if you saw someone in a shirt like that, you would go, I reckon they know something. So, it's about new people. It's about being welcoming. It's creating an environment where we can have new people here. Amen? Amen. It's great to be here. I only be here every second week because I'm at Liverpool. It's a bit sad, really. I love it here. I love Liverpool. It's great. I have a message for you this morning around heroes. Who likes heroes? Yes. Who's your favorite superhero? you like the name the Batman. Batman the Phantom. Yeah, the Phantom. America. Captain America. Jordan. <laughs> Who? What? Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean is not a superhero. Anyone else? Anyone else? Superheroes. Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Wow. I've started to watch some of those Avenger movies. I watched the Age of Ultron. Ultron. Yeah. Ultron the other day. That's pretty cool. I like the guy with that bow and arrow thingy going on. Yeah. Thank you. You're awesome at this, <laughs> Caleb. Awesome. Hey, we're going to pray. Then we're going to dive in. Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for Keith and what he did with our rotary um, and the carols this year. Thank you for his um, skills and ability that you placed within him, and he's such a blessing to work with. Thank you for what you've been doing in Dave's life too, God, and how you take him in in our journey from step to step, and you always have a new thing for us. And Father, for each one of us today, we pray that you'll speak to us. Lord, that you would anoint me with your spirit to remember what I've prepared, that I'll prepare Prepare that I'll present in a way your people can understand, and God, that you'll be speaking to us, you'll give us ears and hearts that are open, that we would be inspired today, that we will recognize our need to be more like Jesus today, and God, we pray that people will live in greater freedom and purpose because of what happens in this next 30 minutes. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, friends, I want to tell you the, uh, the uh, day when I was declared to be a hero by my own, de- my own declaration, of course. I was about 16 years of age, and I was year 10, and back in the good old days, year 10 finished week four, term four. Now they take them all the way through to the last day, but back in 1993, I finished week four, term four, and each, every other day we'd go to the beach. Here's a picture of North Cronulla Beach, and there's a point there, and we would catch the train at some ridiculous time in the morning. And we'd have bodyboard bags, and some days it was so cold, we'd take the bodyboard out of the bag and get inside the bodyboard bag just to keep warm on the train. And we'd catch a train into Sydney and then out to Cranada and then walk through the shopping centre, and we'd get to the beach, and we'd surf, and I'd have this matted hair, and I had the coolest wetsuit tan about here, I was really brown, and then there up, I was really white. And one day we're out there surfing, and bodyboarding, not surfing, bodyboarding, and I hear this voice help me, help me. And I look across and there's this guy maybe in his 20s and his 30s and he's stuck in a rip at the point getting sucked out. And I saw him and then I had a choice. Was I going to be a hero or was I going to let the guy drown? So I paddled across, I had flippers on, so I jumped off my board, gave him my body board. And because I had flippers, you can swim easy with rips and stuff. And I dragged him in to the sand. And on that day, I declared myself to be a hero. Yes? Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for that applause, David. That's really wonderful. Friends, here's a definition of a hero. I looked up Google, this is what it said. A person who is admired for their courage, outstanding achievements or noble qualities. A hero, a person who is admired for their courage, outstanding achievements or noble qualities. When you think of a hero, who do you think about? Oh, thank you, Clint. That's really nice. Clint, Clint's got a story of being a hero. A couple of years ago, Clint was walking past someone's house and heard a girl screaming and went in there and she was being attacked by a guy and he's a hero and he rescued her. True story. Clint, yeah, you are a hero. Um, who do you think of when you think of hero? Maybe you think of someone like Nelson Mandela who rose up against the... Um, Apartheid, went to prison for standing standing up and then eventually became the president. Maybe you think of Martin Luther King, the American pastor who was one of the leaders in the civil rights movement. Who do you think of? Turn to the person next to you. Who do you think of when you think of hero? Don't say Superman. Think of a person that you know of who you think has courage, outstanding achievements, noble character. Go for it. Turn to the person next to you. All right, what did we come up with? What's your answer? Yell it out. Who? Who's got a hero? Theodore Roosevelt. Someone else? Mother Teresa. Christine Kane. Christine Kane. Who? Desmond Goss. All our armed forces. All our forces. Someone else? My dad. My dad. Who said dad? Did you want say dad? Yeah. Anyone say mom as a hero? Mom? Wonderful. Well, friends, I want to give you some heroes of the Christmas story this morning. When you think about the Christmas story, who do you think of as a hero? Who do you think of as a hero? Well, friends, I want to suggest this morning that Joseph, the father of Jesus, was a hero this morning, and I want to give you three reasons why I believe Joseph was a hero, why he was a man of noble character, or how do we define Um, hero again, courage, outstanding achievements, noble character. I believe that was Joseph for three reasons. Number one, because he showed mercy when he was brokenhearted. Two, he chose God's way even though it was the hard way. And three, he showed great self-control In the light of temptation. We're going to break that down after we read the passage from Matthew chapter 1 this morning. Here it is Matthew 1 18 and 19. I'm using the ESV because it translates one word in a really helpful way. This is what it says. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found, in other words, before they had sexual intimacy, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not. In other words, he had no sexual relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Jesus. Friends, I want to suggest that Joseph was a hero, first one, because he showed mercy when he was brokenhearted. I remember back to being engaged with my beautiful wife and we were engaged for 13 months and I was pretty excited about the wedding. I was pretty, not so much the wedding day because that's what the ladies are really excited about, but I was excited about living my life with my wife-to-be. I remember um, going on dates while we were engaged and then having to take her home and then going into my own home. We couldn't go on holidays together because we weren't married and we couldn't have sexual intimacy yet because we weren't married. And I was looking forward to all those things, holidays, not going home at night and the sexual intimacy, absolutely. Just imagine that we were engaged and I'm excited about getting married and Michelle comes up to me and says, Nathan, I have something to tell you. Yeah, what is it? Now, you better sit down, Nathan. Okay, we're going to sit down. And she says to me, Nathan, I'm pregnant. Well, wow. how are you going to respond in that moment, men? You're engaged to this woman. You're excited about living the rest of your life with her. And she tells you she's pregnant and you're not the dad. just want to make that really clear. That you're not the dad and, you've, and you find out that she's pregnant. Wow. Talk about broken hearted, talk about soul ripped in two, talk about disappointment, talk about confusion, talk about, oh dear. And then once your heart's been broken, then how do you respond? Do you use four letter words and abuse her? Do you get on Facebook and write, she is a blah, 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 because she did blah, blah, blah. Do you send text messages to your mates? What stories do you tell about this woman who you were going to marry and she had a relationship with someone else? Well, friends, now let me take you to how Joseph hand, handled this situation. Now, Mary would have been about 14 years old. Don't know about that. And Joseph would have been about 19. Who's 19 in the room? Caleb, how old are you? 20. Josh, how old are you? 21. Any, anyone about that? So we're talking to Caleb this morning. Kayla's about 20 years old. Harvey's dreaming about his age. Um, And so Joseph is about 19 years old, 20 years old, and he's engaged to this lady named Mary. And and for us, if you're engaged, well, you can break it off, whatever. But at the time in the first century, BC, before Christ, because we're nearly birth of Jesus, if you're engaged, the, the government saw it like a legal contract. It wasn't like today. If you're engaged back then, it was like, you are married, but you're just not living together yet. Yeah, And during that engagement period, the man would either find another place to live or, which was very common, he would build another room on his house. That was culturally relevant. That's why Jesus says in John 14, um, I'm going to go and prepare a place to you in my father's house and many mansions, if it were not. So I'm going there to prepare a place to you. Well, that's the marriage language and that we are, as the church... The bride and Jesus is the groom. That's the language the Bible uses. And Jesus is building a room on his house for me and for you, DJ, and for each one of us that follow Jesus. How cool is that? And so Joseph is most probably building this room on his house for his bride to come and live with him and his family. And Mary's saying the farewells, getting the, the uh, what's that box the ladies put together in the old days? What was it called? The glory box. The glory box. My sister had one She's in the old days. How many boxes? Five or six, she got married at 34, that might be why. She had a few years to accumulate some stuff, yeah? She had a jewellery box. She was getting ready for the wedding to move in with Joseph. And then she finds out, and and then Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant. Now, the interesting thing about the Bible text is that we don't know how he found out. Were they going on a date one day to McDonald's, or what's a better place? To a seafood restaurant, Mark Reed took his... Uh, for um, his wife after 10 years of marriage this week. Mark Reed, congratulations, wherever you are, Um, to a seafood restaurant this week. And and maybe Joseph looked at Mary's belly and said, what's that? (laughs) Or maybe Mary's, because it could have been an arranged marriage, and maybe Mary and Joseph didn't even know each other before the wedding day. Maybe. And maybe Mary's mum told Joseph's mum and that's how he found out. Or maybe Mary came up to him and said, hey Joseph, I'm pregnant, and then that was the end of it. Maybe he thought it was another bloke. Or maybe Mary did say, look, I'm pregnant, but it was the Holy Spirit. Now blokes, how would you feel about that one? Um, I'm pregnant, but it actually wasn't another bloke, it was the Holy Spirit. Now, Now at the time... It was, they, they've just had 400 years of silence, meaning that God hadn't spoken through prophets for 400 years leading up to Jesus. So, most likely, Joseph is in like this really, really, really conservative church as today who, who, who don't believe that, that, that God speaks or does miracles today. The only stuff that, that, that God does is, is what he did in the past as we read the Bible, yeah? Because God doesn't do that today and he only did it back then in the Bible. So, that may have been his culture, or even if. He was in this believing in miracles synagogue or believing that God speaks today and does all this wonderful stuff. Even in that case, like we have in this church, even if Mary came to him and said, Well, it's the Holy Spirit, well, then did Joseph actually believe? Did Joseph actually believe Mary? There's lots of stuff we don't know about this text. I'm going to suggest that Joseph thought it was another bloke because of how he responded. Look at verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man. Now that word just is important. The, the, the NIV translate it, translates, it, translates it to faithful to the law. Not a very good translation. The NASB translate it, righteous man. The ESV, this one, apparently is the best best way of translating it. He was a just man. And the, and the idea of just was that he was a man of mercy. That's, that's the meaning behind the word of just. That he was a man of mercy. And her husband, Joseph, being a man of mercy and unwilling, even though his heart was broken, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. This is a 19-year-old kid. They're kids. When I thought I was 19, I thought I was an adult. You look back at 19-year-olds at the age of 39. They're kids, aren't they? They really are. This kid acted better than I would have acted and maybe would still act today. His heart was broken, he was ripped in two, and yet he acted mercifully. He was unwilling to put her to shame. He didn't blast it from the rooftops. My, my, pers- my fiancé is an adulteress. He didn't send text messages. He didn't get on Facebook. He didn't blast it. Rather, he resolved to divorce her quietly, which meant he had to write her a certificate of divorce and give it to her, and they would separate Quietly. Now, Joseph had every right to have a stoned, not as in marijuana stoned, as in pick up rocks and throw them, yeah, and throw them at Mary, because in the law in Leviticus, it says, if there is a man who commits adultery with another man's wife, one who commits adultery and his friend's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. So in the law of Moses, if you committed adultery, you would be stoned. But in the first century BC, that practice wasn't common. However, Joseph could have called for that. He could have said, She's an adulteress, friends, men, let's take her outside the town, let's pick up the stones, and let's kill her, for that's what she deserves. But Joseph didn't act that way. He showed mercy when he was brokenhearted. I remember when I was 19 years of age, I had a, a girlfriend. No, for, for three weeks, but that three weeks I fell in love. I was, I was head over heels for this girl, and, and it wasn't my wife, believe it or not, it was someone else. I didn't know Michelle back then, I don't think. And my heart was for this girl, but friends, the, the sad news is the feelings weren't reciprocated. So everyone went. That's not sad because I married Michelle, yeah? Because if they were, so no more. So yeah, the feelings were reciprocated. But at the time, it was, it was crushing. And have you, heard the, have you heard the expression, hurt people hurt people? Well, that was me. Age of 19, I was hurting. So I hurt this girl, not physically, but I said things that weren't nice to her because I was hurting. My heart was broken, but I didn't show mercy like I should have. Joseph did. Let me talk to the men for a moment. Men, if you're married, if you're single, if you're dating, men, there are going to be times in our in, in our lives when our women do things that we perceive is fully dodgy. Now, Joseph in this story perceived perceived it was fully dodgy, and men, I say perceived because it may not be true. Yeah, it may not be true. But there's going to be times when our ladies let us down. Our ladies hurt us. Is this true, ladies? No. No. Men, you might perceive this is true. (laughs) Maybe he's out there listening, taking notes, hopefully. When your lady treats you poorly, how do you respond? Do you get angry? Do you fly off the handle? Do you bagger out to your mates? Do you use abusive language? Or are you like Joseph who had his heart broken but yet showed a lot of mercy? Men, Jordan, Keith, David, Clint, Caleb. How do you treat the ladies in your world when they let you down or there's a perception that they've let you down? How do you treat them? Sit down and talk about it. Good, Clint. That was that was rhetorical, but that's a great answer. <laughs> a great answer. Sit down and talk about it. Friends, let's use Joseph, men. Let's use Joseph as an example of how to treat the women in our world. Even when we're heartbroken, let's show mercy. Joseph is a hero because he did that. I think. Second point this morning. Joseph was a hero. Because he chose God's way, even though it was the hard way. Let's read the text. It says this. But as he considered these things, as he considered to divorce Mary quietly, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. We just read these passages. Let's think about that for a moment. An angel turned up. Wow, that's pretty cool. Saying to him, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and, she'll, and she shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Once he heard it from the angel, well, then he believed it, that the baby was from the Holy Spirit. Friends, I want to suggest this morning that it would have been easier for Joseph to walk away. It would have went, dude, that's too hard. We're going to do this certificate of divorce. You're to live your life. And I'm going to live my life. It would have been much easier. But Joseph chose the hard way, which was actually God's way. Let me tell you why it would have been the hard way for Joseph. Number one, it would have been obvious that she was pregnant. right? So today, um, babies before marriage is pretty common. True? 80 years ago, 100 years ago, it wasn't as common, apparently. And at the time of Jesus, it wasn't common. It happened. But it, but it wasn't common. And I can imagine there would have been a stigma attached to it. And they would have known that Mary and Joseph were engaged and maybe they're seen together. And imagine the pointing of fingers, the ridicule, the thinking that other people had who saw them, knowing they weren't married yet, but they were pregnant. Here's a second thought. How do you explain to your family that the baby's from the Holy Spirit? Yes, we're engaged, yes, she's pregnant, but it wasn't me, it was the Holy Spirit. Your family's going to think you're cuckoo, yeah? And I think it actually points, and, and Michelle shared this with me, it's very, very bright my life, she shared with me that it's interesting when, when, when Mary and Joseph, I'm going to talk about Mary on Christmas Day, when, when Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem to their town of origin, that Mary and Joseph didn't stay with relatives, but to stay in an inn and with the animals. And our thought was, well, why didn't they stay with relatives if they all had to go there? So maybe because of the pregnancy, because of the spirit, I'm making this up because we really don't know, but this is an idea. Maybe because of the baby and the marriage, they got excommunicated from the family and said, you're no longer welcome with us, and therefore had to go to a manger. Maybe. Maybe. Third one. Joseph was going into a relationship where the kid wasn't his kid, biologically. Absolutely father, fathered Jesus and had the privilege of raising Joseph and instilling his values. But he was going into a relationship where the son wasn't his son. And today we have lots of blended families, and I'm, I'm not in that situation. But I can only imagine it's difficult, being the dad, knowing that your son, although you are fathering him, actually isn't your son, and that would create some Complications. And the fourth thing this morning I want to say is Joseph was going to be the father of the savior of the world. Now, if you have a good swimmer who's your kid, you're up at four o'clock every morning and you're taking your kid to the swimming pool. Now, that would be a nightmare. Aiden talked about rep soccer yesterday in the car. And I went, Aiden, that's not a good idea. We have to travel to Mudgee on weekends and we've got to train four nights a week. I'm thinking about me, right? When I say that to Aiden. Imagine being. The father of the savior of the world, what would the cost be? He wouldn't even know, but imagine, there would be a huge cost. What would imagine the the, the Jesus would be in lights and what would it would have been it would have been easier for, for Joseph to walk away and go, you know what, that life is just too hard. But he didn't choose that. He chose to say yes to God, he chose to say yes to Mary, he chose to say yes to Jesus. Joseph chose God's way. Even though it was a hard way. And friends, in our lives, there's gonna be seasons where God is calling us to go his way, and that way can be the hard way. God's way is not always the easy way. God's way can absolutely be the hard way. I remember in a previous church, I was leading the youth ministry and music ministry and run the night service, and I had little, very pretty much no support from the pastor. And I was getting really frustrated by this and and, and the easy thing to do would just have been to leave the church, and this is too hard, whatever. But I chose God's way, which was a hard way. So I went with massive anxiety and concern about talking to him. I went and sat in his office and said, "Hey, I want to talk to you about a few things. I feel unsupported. I, I need this and I need this and I need this." And he was very gracious, and he said, "Okay, I'll do all those things." Well, I left that meeting real excited and, like, this is going to be great. Things are going to change." And then two months later, I guess what? Nothing changed. Three months later, I was back in the office again. Hey, I need this support that we spoke about. It never happened. And, and eventually God said we could leave that church. But the point I'm trying to make is that it was the right thing for me to do that, to have the difficult conversation with my leader, the person I respected, looked up to. I was fearful. I was freaking out about those meetings. But it was the right thing to do. So I did it because it was the thing that God wanted us to do. When I first started leading LifeGate Church, um, and if you were around then, you will know this story that the uh, the uh, church had two different groups in it, and they had two different pe- two different groups. One wanting in, wanting to go in this direction, and one wanting to go one wanting to go in this direction. And, and I was part of one of those groups, which I thought that was the direction of the church. And God spoke to me very clearly and very plainly from Joshua chapter one, saying, "Nathan, let nothing move you. Be strong and courageous. Stick to the word. Keep um, be steadfast and, and keep moving forward." And as a result, I had a lot of conflict with the eldership, ship and, the, and all the eldership left. No, they didn't. Mr. Rex was part of the team back then. I didn't have conflict, Mr. Rex. He's a wonderful man. Um, I had conflict with the other guys that ended up leaving the church. And, a, and about 20 or 30 people left the church back in 2008 because there was a massive There was two different directions, two different directions. And once that group left, then we got unified behind One Direction, One Direction, there you go, and, and the church has pretty much been growing ever since. Now in that situation when I was in conflict with the elders, the easy thing would have been, see you later, I was offered a job at East Hills Girls High School as a music teacher. I was a high school teacher at Holroyd High School. And just at the time when I was making the decision, do I become the full-time pastor here? Pretty much the same weekend, I got, a, I got an opportunity to East Hills Girls to teach and I'm going, that would be so cruisy compared to running this church. But God had spoke to me. He said, Nathan, I want you to lead the church next year. It was clear and I had a choice. Do I choose the easy way or do I choose God's way, which is much harder, but out of obedience? And friends, there's going to be times in your lives when, when a God is calling you to the hard way. It might be in your marriage and you might have marriage conflict and it might be easier to walk out but friends, God wants you to hang in there. It might be an area of your life where you're where you're struggling in the area of finances and you're going, this is too hard, and you go, I can't give to God anymore, or whatever. No, be obedient to God in your finances. Maybe you're in the workplace and you have this um, calling on God to calling by God, to share the message of Jesus, the message of Christmas with your workmates and and people who don't yet know him, and you're afraid and you're concerned about how they're going to treat you, my friends, my encouragement is to choose the hard way, which is God's way, and present the message of Jesus to those that need to know him. Friends, God's calling us sometimes the hard way, which is God's way. Sometimes it's the easy way. Sometimes it's a hard way, but let's choose God's way. You know, the Apostle Paul writes in Acts chapter 20, verse 21, this. He writes 22 to 24. And now compelled by the Spirit, this is the Apostle Paul writing about the work of the Spirit. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Friends, this is Acts chapter 20. Paul starts going in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 14. 15, 16, Festival Thessalonica, Corinth, Ephesus, Galatia, we see him go throughout the known world and preaches the message. And everywhere he goes, he has hardship and persecution. In one point they pick up stones and they kill him. And the, and the Christian brothers come out of the city, lay hands on him, and he gets risen from the dead. And he goes back into that city and preaches again. Everywhere Paul went, he got persecuted because he preached the message of Jesus. And then in Acts chapter 20... He gets to the place where he can go to Jerusalem, where it all started, where the major chaos happened, where he could have the greatest persecution, but the Spirit is leading him there. God is saying, go this way, Paul. And you know what? Paul could have sat back and said, you know what, God, I'm tired. I've been to Ephesus. I've been to Corinth. I've been to Thessalonica. I'm going to get a holiday house, and I'm going to get one on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea, and I'm going to enjoy my last few years, Jesus. Thanks very much. But God didn't call him to that. He called him by his spirit to go again to Jerusalem to preach the message of Jesus. Paul chose the hard way because it was God's way. And friends, Joseph was a hero because he chose God's way even though it was a hard way. And friends, God is calling you sometimes to choose the hard way because it's his way. You ready for the third point and the final point this morning? This will make you giggle. Made me giggle. Joseph was a hero because he showed great self control in the light of ginormous temptation. Yeah, where's Nathan going with this? Let's read verse 25. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. In other words, Joseph didn't have sexual relationships with his wife until Joseph was born. Jesus. Thank you. Until Jesus was born. So he knows Mary's pregnant. He knows it's the Holy Spirit. The angel says, marry marry her. So they get married, right? And how long are they married for? We don't know. But they're married for some time. She then gives birth. And then no doubt sometime after that, he then has sexual relationships with his wife. Now, I think that's pretty awesome. Because for us men, well, let me talk about ladies first. Ladies, this is no doubt very, you know this very well, that the ladies look forward to the wedding day and the ceremony and the dress and the flowers and the dancing. The blokes look forward to what happens after that. Am I right, men? Yes, very right. And so they were married for about three months, maybe four, maybe five months, and he did not have sexual relationships with his wife for all that time. As a young man looking forward to that moment in his life, that moment of giving himself to the woman that he loves, getting a few smiles. Thank you for the smiles. I shared this at Liverpool last week and they're still getting used to me. I had, a lot of, they, had a lot of, they had a lot of straight faces. A lot of straight faces. As a man who's looking forward to marriage and giving myself to the woman that I love. And then not being able to have sexual relations for, oh my goodness me. Joseph showed great, great self-control. You know, how did he even know that he wasn't supposed to have sexual relations? In Isaiah 7, it talked about how the virgin would conceive and give birth, so he couldn't have sexual. I don't know how he knew, but he knew. And I reckon he's pretty awesome. Interesting in Titus, when Paul writes... To Titus, who's leading a church, he tells them to teach these things to the people. This will make me this made me laugh. He says this to the older men. He says in verse 2, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, love and endurance. There's a big list for the men, right? For the ladies, be reverent the way they live, not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine, but rather to teach what is good. So ladies, Apparently, you got self-control. Okay, older ladies, you guys got self-control down. That's what, didn't say self-control there. And then he goes on in verse four, then urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, to be pure, busy, kind, subject to their husbands, not to, to no one will malign the word of God. There's this big list for men, big list for women, big list for, young, for older women, big list for younger women. Are you ready for the young man list? Are you ready? This made me giggle. Ready for the young man list? Here it comes. Young men, be self-controlled. That's it. Why? Because young men find it so hard to control themselves. True men, older men, a little bit older, just self-control. If you do that one, you're doing very, very well, men. Because, you know, things come out of our mouths that shouldn't come out. We we get excited about something and we pursue it. We, we 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 put our foot in our mouth and we take it out. And put our other foot in and yeah, <laughs> yeah, at the back. Friends, let's be self-control. And l- let me talk to the to, to the to the single people for a moment before we finish around this self-control thing. You know, particularly in the area of sexual stuff with people of the opposite sex. You know, God's best for us is that we don't have sex until we're married. That's God's best, and there's lots of reasons for that. But, but part of the problem is that we date and we hang out together. You know, sometimes I think these arranged marriages where you didn't know each other until the wedding day would be easier because there's no way you can have sexual relationships with your partner until after the date, until the wedding because you don't know them. But in our culture, we, we, we go out on dates and we go in cars together and we, and we go to people's houses and we go in their bedrooms and we sit in the back seat of the car. And when we do this alone, we're setting ourselves up for a massive fail. Because right now, Blake, Caleb, Josh, you young men, not just you, but other young people, single men, you think to yourself, I'm not going to have sex with my girlfriend. You think that now. But when you're in the moment and all those chemicals start to go, you don't think straight. I've been there. You don't think straight. And one thing leads to another and you end up in a place that you don't want to be because of what's happening inside. God wants us to be self-controlled. And choose to put ourselves in smart positions so we won't fail. One of the things I do as a, as a man who's a pastor who talks to women about personal stuff is that I don't meet in a woman's home, just the two of us. If I'm going to meet with a woman, it's going to be in a coffee shop, it's going to be at my house with Michelle home, or it's going to be on the deck so everyone can see. I'm never in a place where I'm on my own with a woman because I'm a bloke, they're a chick, and I listen to their issues, and that builds connection reality. So I'm always making sure that I'm not alone. Friends, let's be people with self-control, who don't just react because it feels good. But think about, is this what God wants for me in this situation? So friends, as we finish, let me, let me before I say that, for you, self-control might be watching, watching what you eat. Self-control for you might be the amount of alcohol that you drink. Self-control for you might be how much television you watch, your lustful thoughts. Self-control, what is it for you? Friends, I want to suggest Joseph was a hero because he showed great self-control in the light of great temptation. So where have we been today, number one? Why was Joseph a hero? Because he showed mercy when he was broken-hearted. men. How do we treat our ladies when it's perceived that they've done the wrong thing by us? Do we show mercy and kindness? Two, he chose God's way even though it was the hard way. Friends, what is God calling you to? Does it seem hard? Keep going. Press on. Do the things that God wants you to do. And three, Joseph showed great self-control in the light of temptation. If I had to ask you this morning which one of these three things stand out to, stands out to you the most... Which one is it for you today? Out of these three things, which one grabs you? Which one is God speaking to you about this morning? What's He speaking to you about this morning? Friends, in this passage that we read, it talks about the angel telling Joseph to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And, and like as we look at this, you might think, well, I failed there and I failed there and I failed there. Friends, there is forgiveness of sin because of what Christ has done for me and for you. When Jesus went to that cross and he died, he took our sin upon himself. He took The punishment that we deserve for our sin upon Himself. He took God's anger that we deserve upon Himself so that we can stand before God with no sin. We can stand before God not under His anger anymore. We can stand before God with a relationship with Him that is eternal. Do you want that this morning? Do you want that relationship this morning? If you're here this morning and you want to commit your life to Jesus, if you did it in the past, you want to recommit whatever it is to you this morning, we want to give you the opportunity right now. So with every head bowed and eye closed, I encourage you to pray this prayer after me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you just pray that prayer, you become a Christian, we want to welcome you to the family, and we want to help you start your Christian journey. So please tell me, please tell Jordan and Beck, our service leaders, please tell someone who who you know and brought you today to... um,